Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into the show. This Tuesday, June 13th edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We've got an exciting episode for you guys. Of course, we're going to continue our football previews as we look ahead to the opponents for the upcoming season. We'll do that later with Kevin Filter, who covers Florida Atlantic, that game coming up later this November, East Carolina at FAU. We'll get into that, but we're going to kick off today's show with some East Carolina softball talk. We've got the head coach, Shane Winkler, in studio. Shane, appreciate you coming down. Oh, Steve, thanks for having me. Excited. Jane, you just wrapped up year two at East Carolina, coming over from George Washington, your former stop, and uh, 27 wins, I believe, which was the most since 2014 for the ECU softball program. We got some some questions to get to from the fan base, but just kind of your assessment on how things went this year, getting 27 wins. You know, were you happy with it, content, and, and what do you think uh, the program stands at this point? You know, re- really happy with our growth, and that's the biggest thing. We came in our first two years about building our culture. And we feel like we've done a great job with building a foundation, having a great culture, having a place that players want to play. Uh, you always want to finish a little higher in conference, and we're, we're building that. But we're, we're really excited about the growth that we've made. Some young players got a lot of great experience that the future looks really bright. Recruiting's going extremely well. We got uh, surrounding travel ball teams excited, players from all over the country excited, transfer portal players excited about wanting to be a part of what we're building so uh, it, it's been a process uh, the first two years it seemed like one big long year and what what we're putting together but I think we're really starting to get to that point where we can break through and exciting things to come this summer and heading into next year we'll get into some of the the you know philosophies as far as building the roster through maybe the portal and through younger players and you guys have had success with the portal already I've had success with younger talent and uh, when you when you kind of look at the, the, the this league you guys are in with the American, we're talking off the air. Like people don't maybe understand how good the league is. Y'all have had success, big success in non conference play, and then multiple teams from the league going to the NCAA tournament. And has that been maybe one of the biggest challenges trying to figure out? Hey, how can we you know win games consistently in this league and and, and get our talent to where it needs to be to compete in the American? Yeah, we we knew that when we came in here and take the took the job with our staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is a Power Five caliber yeah. league. Uh, this this league's been ranked four, five, six in the country uh, the past five, six, seven years. I mean, it's one of the best leagues in the in the nation. I mean, you got to be top twenty five if you're going to compete at the top of the league. Uh, you've got top twenty five teams in this league every single year, and so that's the goal. I mean, if we're if we're going to compete, we got to bring in that type of talent. We got to develop our kids to be top twenty five caliber players so uh, we've started that process we've gotten it rolling but uh, again the league is it's a challenge every single weekend and we know that and the league's going to continue to grow I mean next year we're bringing in even more teams we're going to go from 18 conference games to 27 so half the schedule is going to go to conference games next year so it's it's going to be a huge challenge but that's that's what we signed up for and players that come to play here that's what they signed up for to build a team that can compete in the American and it's, it is it's it's going to be lofty goals but that's that's what we're building and that's the kind of players that we're developing and bringing in Shane Winkler is with his head coach with East Carolina softball. We'll look ahead to the future here shortly, but I want to first highlight some of the standouts from this past year. Of course, Taylor Edwards came in as a, a grad transfer, had a great season, all-conference season. How much does she mean to you guys as the season unfolded and you know, just kind of carried the torch offensively? You know, T- Taylor was a huge addition. I mean, she came in in January. 
uh, and really had a year and a half away from playing because she didn't play in the fall at UCLA. She didn't play last year. So she was a year and a half away since her last time seeing uh, significant time on the field and didn't see a ton of time at UCLA. So we brought her in in January. It took her a little bit of time to uh, get timing back and mm-hmm. things like that. And then uh, once she got it, she went off running. Uh, so she had a great, uh, really non-conference part of the season and had some big moments in conference play, uh, but was almost a 400 hitter for us, stepping in as a mid-year transfer Um but again, a lot of people dislike the transfer portal, but it just shows the type of talent that we can bring in, kids that we can get second chances and opportunities like that that are looking to uh, step into a program like ours with a great culture that they can make an immediate impact, and she did that for us. Pitching-wise, you all really relied on Addie Bullis, Jordan Hatch, who made a lot of starts, appearances for, for you guys. How happy were you all with, with, with their performances throughout the season? You know, a lot of growth through the, both of them. Uh, they're both lefties. Uh, a lot of similarities, but they, uh, the, the way they spin is a little different as well. So uh, they, they did really well and kept us in games, and that's the biggest thing you can ask for from a pitching staff is that you keep us in ball games. And uh, we don't have that one typical ace like uh, some of the big programs in the country that's going to get 10, 12, 14 strikeouts a game, but keep us close. And they, and they did that throughout the year. So we're going to continue to build on that, continue to hopefully get uh, Addie even more healthy than she was this year because as, as she was more healthy than, than last year, she had a little more success. Uh, Jordan continued to grow from freshman year to sophomore, so we're looking for them to take even bigger steps heading into next season. As I mean, we continue to bring on some younger pitchers to join them as well to complement them, which is going to be key. We're visiting with Shane Winkler. We're live on YouTube, Facebook. If you got a question, drop it for us. We'll get it uh, in today's show. we got Shane in the studio till about 1230, and then we'll let him go. we got some questions on Hoist the Colors to get to as well. Uh, Shane, let's get to know you as a person a little bit for, for those who haven't uh, known too much about you. Again, you've been here two years. You you grew up in Indiana, or Indiana's home for you, you said. So uh, what biggest differences between Indiana and eastern North Carolina? Have you gotten used to, to this place yet? Uh, about polar opposites. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> love it here in Greenville. I mean, this, this has been outstanding. I spent 10 years uh, down in Charleston, South Carolina, so I've been on the East right. Coast for a long time. So that, uh, that feels like home a little bit. I'll go visit there once in a while. But uh, I've always had an eye on, on ECU in Greenville. I had, uh, had had opportunity to bring teams here through tournaments for a lot of years. I coached at Marshall when they were both in mm-hmm. Conference USA with ECU. So I've, I've always had my eye on ECU as one that, hey, if this, this position came open, that's a place that you can do some big-time things with the facilities and the fan support. Uh, and now the administrative support from John Gilbert and J.J. McClam. Carolyn Bevelard, the support that is there is, I mean, we got everything in place. So it's a place that I've always been excited about, but uh, living here has been outstanding. Pirate Nation has been great. You played college baseball growing up, and you played a few different schools in college and then played some some pro ball as well. So take us through your your, your baseball playing days. No, just, I mean, just, just like anyone, it started young, young age, three, four years old, but uh, that, that was always the dream. The, the dream for me was uh, take it as far as I could. Uh, ideally, the goal was center field and Yankee <laughs> Stadium, and, and you start realizing uh, early 20s that, that may not happen. And uh, there's only so far that a couple hundred bucks a month can take you going through the independent leagues. But uh, no, I, I'll always have a baseball kind of background to me, and we, we bring that to the softball field. And there's been that kind of influence in, in the softball game for a lot of years now. Uh, but has been doing this from a softball coaching standpoint for. For a lot of years now. I mean, just finished 15th year as a head coach and had a couple of years as an assistant before that. So uh, we'll always bring that baseball influence. That's kind of where my background is. But 
uh, and really blend it around and bring the, the best approach that we can for our program. And so you, when you started your coaching career, did you spend some time in baseball as well before transitioning to softball? You know, really, I, I did some youth things. So mm-hmm. I had some younger brothers and sisters, but it, it really started more in softball. Right. I had a sister a couple of years younger than me. So when I was playing college ball, I'd help out with her high school and youth team. When I was playing uh, independent league, I had an opportunity to substitute teach on the side and then help out with her junior college team and uh, had an opportunity to get a job at Marshall from that. I always thought I'd uh, switch back to the baseball side right. way back in that day. But once you get a taste of what Division One softball is all about, the speed of the game, uh, kind of the impact that you can make as a coach, it, it, I, I was hooked. Uh, so got an opportunity at a pretty young age to get a head coaching job at Charleston Southern and uh, had 10 great years there. So, uh, But there's there's nothing like the softball game and the, the, the pace of play and, and things like that. And uh, obviously you see how, how big the, the game has gotten uh, at this stage, the amount of viewers it's getting on ESPN, the College World Series just finished up. I and mean, it's it's a great sport and a great time to be a part of it. Yes, it's it's awesome to see the growth of college softball, college baseball. You reference those numbers, both sports – way up in terms of viewership with the World Series and postseason regionals for, for college baseball, the, the men's college World Series coming up. But uh, do you enjoy like watching a team like Oklahoma kind of dominate the, the, the league? I know that it hasn't been easy for them once they've gotten there, but three straight championships. I know they've been pushed in the past and they were pushed at times this year. But, you know, do you kind of respect what they're doing or would you like more parity maybe in college softball at the top? You know, it- they're 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 completely dominant, but there's also a, a decent amount of parity right mm-hmm. right below them, and uh, it's really going to grow the sport. I mean, you've seen it you've seen it in other sports, uh, college basketball for women's college basketball. UConn did it forever, right. and then a bunch of programs had to step up their game, and now now the women's college game is as big as it's ever been. I mean, you've you've seen it with some blue bloods in in college basketball for men's, and some other programs had to step up their game, and it's it's happening right now in in college softball. So a lot of people complain about it, but in a couple of years, you're going to have some other teams that have had, have to step up their game, whether it's through the portal, NIL, and things that people may be complaining about, but they're not going away. So you got to find a way to embrace it. Oklahoma's done it as as good as anybody, and it's it's going to elevate the entire game. And uh, like I said, the, the game's never been bigger. We're playing on ABC. Uh, for games in regionals, super regionals during the regular season, uh, games are on ABC instead of just ESPN Plus and ESPN. Right. So I mean, that the way that they've grown the game just from their success is is huge. They had a kid enter the portal yesterday, and it's it's on the ESPN ticker for a college softball kid and en- entering the portal. And it's, so it's what what they're doing. It, it seems like dominance, but it's it's growing the game as well, which is pretty cool to see. Twenty seven wins for you guys last year. As you go forward into the offseason, big offseason for you guys, as we were talking off the air, what are the, the main areas you all want to grow in from a roster perspective, team perspective, that sort of thing? You know, we, this, this is an opportunity as we head into next season where we had some spots to fill in the roster and quite a bit of them. So we, we've got a uh, decent-sized freshman class coming in that we think can make an impact. we got some athletes, some speed kids, uh, pitching that will come in and hopefully be able to log some big innings and also add some pitching depth. Uh, but we're hitting the transfer portal hard. Uh, we're going to bring in four, five, six kids this summer. We've got a couple Power Five kids already uh, committed to us that we can't name names yet, compliance-wise. Right. But we're we're pretty close to an- announcing those. Uh, had a couple on visit yesterday. Another one coming in visit. So we're hitting the portal hard and going to bring in kids that have had impacts at some big successful programs that can come in here and hopefully take over some leadership roles and kind of fill some holes that we lacked before. We we had. Solid pitching, we need a little bit more dominant pitching. Offensively, we, we lack some holes in the middle of our lineup where we had uh, didn't have the power numbers that we wanted. We're going to fill that through 
through the portal with some experienced kids this summer. So that's that's a big part of it, recruiting, 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 while also trying to find kids for next year. It's always looking at the 25, 26, and 24s uh, for, for down the road that we're looking to fill as well. So it's it's always looking ahead to what's next, but filling the roster for right now. And, you know, home run-wise, I think y'all hit 20 this year, maybe not the, the number y'all want. Uh, and your number at previous schools have been a lot higher. And so much about softball, it's great to manufacture runs, but if you hit the long ball and score quickly, it helps. So is that an area y'all, y'all want to address as well? No, that's that's absolutely. I mean, we, we want to bring in more power. Mm. Uh, we didn't have it on the roster a lot. We had a couple kids that, that were threats at times, but we're, we'll look to be consistently more explosive. Um, but also, I mean, we, we want to kind of bring the same philosophy as what our baseball team is, where we have the ability to move runners, steal bases, bunt kids over, and then have a handful of kids in the lineup that you can score one, two, three runs off one swing of the bat. So we're looking to bring a more balanced lineup this season. And again, we're doing it through developing kids that we have, some kids that gain some experience that we think we're gonna, they're going to get stronger in the offseason. And then some of the kids that we're bringing in through the portal and then the freshmen coming in will, will be more explosive for sure. When you look at the facility you guys are able to utilize, the, the stadium and some of the things around it, how happy are you with that and how much does that help you recruiting-wise? Oh, it's, it's huge in recruiting. And we, Like I said, we, we brought in a couple kids that uh, played in the SEC and played in the Big Ten uh, just yesterday, and they, they step on our campus for the first time step in our facility and they, they're blown away. Uh, we, we've got one of the best facilities in the American, which again, it's, it's a power five caliber softball conference, but our facilities compare with some of the power five programs in, in the country. Uh, we, like I said, we have a kid from the SEC. He's like, this is, this is better what we have. Uh, we had our kid that came from UCLA. She said, this, this is a better setup than we have. So we, we've got something that we can sell to recruits. We just got to get them on campus, and that's the biggest thing. Once, once we continue to build this, more and more kids are going to want to step foot and get in, inter- interested in what we're putting together. And we get them on campus, it's, it's easy to sell. We're visiting with Shane Winkler. Let's get our first break in. On the other side, we'll dive into some of your questions on Hoist the Colors and otherwise. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Here there be pirates. Back to Hoist the Colors with Steve and I go. How good is this on 94.3 The Game? Oh, uh, We're back on uh, 94.3 The Game, Hoist the Colors. And we got Shane Winkler with us in studio. We are getting some of your questions now. We'll have a, a in-depth report on FAU, the football game, coming up November. Later this season in Boca Raton, and FAU will be in the conference next season for softball, Shane. So before we get to some of the questions, it seems like the new American softball-wise is not going to be much of a drop-off from, from what you were telling me. No, we're, we're one of the sports where it, it probably gets tougher. Uh, conference USA softball has been – been solid we're bringing in five teams four of them are in the top 100 rpi uh so they they were multi-bid league last year uh so we, we're bringing in some tough ones so we we lose houston and ucf and ucf's been really good but again you got some other teams that have been right around mm-hmm. that top 25 mark so it's going to be a challenge but like i said we're, we're going from 18 conference games to 27 so uh we haven't played where we wanted to in conference play the past two years that's going to be the next big step for us is being even more competitive not just being competitive but competing to win in conference series and that's that's going to be big because it's half our schedule now yeah 27 conference games that's a lot yeah. uh, that is no joke uh let's get to some of your questions on hoistedcolors.net uh ecu jackie moon wants to know how is the softball talent level in north carolina for high school recruiting and how much do you try and prioritize taking in-state players you know, you, you always want to recruit your backyard. And we've, we've got three uh, high school kids that are going to be freshmen for us next year. 
Uh, two of them were playing the last day of the state championship. One of them, unfortunately, lost state championship. One of them won a state championship here in 4A this year. So uh, the talent-wise, it's, it's really good. And now we're getting to the point where with the foundation that we're building for the program, those kids are are considering ECU. So we're, we're going to build it with in-state kids as much as possible. But at the same time, if we want to be a nationally competitive program, we're going to have to go coast to coast. And we're, we're doing that as well through the recruiting process. He also wants to know what type of shape was the program in when you entered. And we kind of discussed this earlier, but uh, you know, what have you been looking to immediately improve upon? And, and you know, you're trying to rebuild a program. It, it doesn't happen overnight. We've seen it in football. We've seen it in other sports here. And, and you're still working on the foundation of that. You know, obviously you can look back at previous season. It's been a lot of years since you've had a winning record. We're, we're really close to it this year with our, our overall record. Uh, so we, we inherited some, some great kids uh, that weren't used to winning. Uh, and that's been the biggest thing is year one and two. Like I said, it's been almost one one complete year that we, we've considered it is, is building that foundation and learning how to win, what it takes to win, uh, what you need to avoid doing within a game and within a weekend to – to lose and so we're, we've been improving on that and now now we're bringing in some some more talent to a great culture so uh we we're the the wins and losses they're they're going to keep heading in the right direction as, as we continue to build this but it's been a process and we've taken took a big step last year and i think from two to three is going to be an even bigger step he also wants to know what are the the next steps speaking of that they need to turn you know ecu into a consistent softball winner in and out of conference and uh, you know, part of that, of course, is talent and, and continuing to enroll or enroll that type of talent. But your thoughts on that and continuing to make ECU, uh, you know, consider it uh, or viable contender in the league? You know, it's it's impact players. Uh, we've we've got some great kids that can be role type kids, and uh, the development of our program has been great. Uh, the the support that we've gotten from our administration, I and mean, we just bring kids on recruiting visits, and they see. Uh, the resources that we have, not just our facilities, but if you go into our hitting facility and things like the hit tracks and some of the uh, machines that we have for player development, our players are going to continue to get better. Uh, but it helps draw, drawing in talent as well. So it's it's bringing in impact players and uh, things that you're going to start seeing on the stat sheet continue to grow. So that's that that's it. We we've got kids coming in that this summer that we think can make a big big impact for us we've got a poster that, that wants to know kind of why have we seen an increase in velocities from pitchers in softball he says not long ago it was low to mid 60s but now he's regularly seeing low to mid 70s as far as velocity from softball pitchers do you have a, a theory on that yeah i think you're seeing the same thing in in baseball yeah. uh and if you look at it players are bigger faster stronger the, the type of training that they're getting uh, just the type of resources and uh, that are available, the technology that's available on uh, what type of movements you need to do to increase velocity. But I mean, I'm watching college baseball last night, and you got a kid from Tennessee throwing 102. They had a kid that hit 105 last year. Yeah. So it, it's it's happening across the board. Uh, track athletes are a little faster. Football players are bigger, faster, stronger. So it's the type of training and the resources that are available. You're really you're really seeing a big difference. And it's the same thing, the knowledge behind some of the pitching coaches that you're seeing in the softball game. College World Series where, again, yeah, five, ten years ago, it was a lot of kids in the mid-upper 60s. You had kids going over 70 this year, and it's, it's pretty impressive. But uh, there's going to be a ceiling at some point. I just right. don't know exactly where it is. Yeah, I thought we reached the ceiling when it rolled as Chapman was hitting like 102, 103, but you know, here we are seeing 105 uh, from some pitchers. Uh, Wu Joe uh, on our, our site wants to know what can be done to improve attendance. We talked about kind of the 
the great facility you, you guys have, and it's not like y'all haven't had great attendance at some games, but I guess from a you know consistent perspective, uh, you know attendance at at the stadium. You know, Pirate Nation is great, and you mm-hmm. you'll see it from the successful sports. We as we continue to build a successful program. Uh, if, if you build it, they'll come, and we're, yeah. we're in that process. So as, as we continue to have that success, like I said, we, our goal is to compete at the top of the American. You do that, you got to be a top 25 program. You put a top 25 program around here, the, the support from the baseball and softball community is huge. Uh, they're they're going to continue to come. We're, we're really proud of the support that we had this, this past season, had some really nice crowds, and it's, it's only going to get better. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it across the board, ECU – we saw lacrosse, women's basketball, as they had good seasons, the attendance grew, and I think it'll only grow in softball as you guys continue to grow as well. Uh, all right, so kind of a funny question here. Uh, Post wants to know, what do you think about fake bunting and slashing? It's one of the more discussed topics as we cover ECU baseball because Cliff Godwin loves to put the game in motion. Fake bunting, stolen bases. How often do you all use it in softball, and what do you think of the slash fake bunts? No, it's if you have a player that can handle the barrel of the bat, uh, it, it's big, and I, th- I think we've got a couple kids coming in. The slapping game is still a big part of softball, where small ball and again moving runners, putting them, putting them in motion is still a big deal. We've got some speed kids coming in. Uh, we're we're going to try to hit the long ball a little more, but we're not going to get away from kids that can fly around the bases and and make an impact that way. So it, it's there, there's a big part of it. Uh, you'll see it even more from the softball side, where you can use a fake bunt and a steal to uh, draw some kids out of positioning, and so it's. It's just as big as it is in baseball, if, if not more, just because the speed of our game and uh, the shorter distance. So we'll, we'll utilize it. And so if fans don't like it, hopefully they, <laughs> they, they, they see how it works. And if we're winning games because of it, they'll, it it'll grow. Hey, if it works, they love it. If yeah. not, they complain. You know, Absolutely. That's how it is. Uh, but, yeah, it's I, I enjoy it because it does put the game in motion, puts the defenders in conflict, and especially those corner infielders. Um, Purple Rain wants to know, is recruiting through the transfer portal a priority for next season? You've kind of addressed this, but I know that it definitely is a priority based on our previous conversation. Yeah, well, like I said, we're, we're going to bring in four, five, six through the portal, and uh, the portal's not going away. Uh, we're we're going to utilize it. I, I enjoy it. Uh, we, we're going to continue, like other programs at ECU, to bring in some really solid freshman high school kids that can come in and make an impact for four years. But the portal for me is an opportunity to, to give kids a second chance also. We've had a couple come in that transferred throughout our first two years that uh, they'll, they'll let our staff know that they fell in love with the game again, being a part of our program, the way our culture is. And, and we, we, we love opening up to that, that to kids throughout the country, even if they're coming from – uh, other other programs, just for whatever reason, they're transferring. Uh, we're we're going to look to find kids that can take us to that next level, level, however we can. And you you would think that the success of a Taylor Edwards, who was not playing the previous year, she transferred from UCLA, coming here, being an All Conference player, that that's something you can definitely sell to recruits in the portal, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, again, the kids didn't have the right fit for a lot of different reasons. Uh, Maybe a coaching style didn't didn't fit with what they were looking. Maybe had a couple too many kids in, in front of them on the depth chart at, at a power five or, or whatnot. But uh, they can come into a program like ours, and things may just click. Just the way we teach it, the way our culture is. And that's the way it was with a kid like Taylor Edwards, and she took off. Uh, we're, we're looking to kind of find lightning in a bottle a couple more times and, and do that with a couple other transfers that we're looking to bring in. All right, uh, another poster wants to know, what is ECU's strategy to beat Oklahoma next year's World Series? <laughs> to beat Oklahoma, uh, you you got to get Oklahoma on one of their worst days. And yeah. you you got to play pretty flawless. Uh, they, they've, they're having 
some some transfer issues right. of their own with with the big big pitcher going out, but that's still going to be the best program in the country coming back next year. And like I said earlier, it's it's fun to watch. So it's it's good for the game of softball. Have you seen NIL bleed heavily into the sport, or is it still you know kind of in the early stages? Just for me, covering football and basketball recruiting, I see it just it, it it almost encapsulate recruiting now have you seen it bleed into softball as well yeah especially at the highest level of, of our game some of the power five programs we, we see it a little bit with our kids mm-hmm. but nothing that's going to knock your socks off and um but just from some of the big name players i mean the montana files the jordy ball some of the big players in the game they're you're seeing a significant uh amount of nil so it's it's definitely been a big part of some of the bigger programs in our game and we're going to continue to try to push that with uh, with with our supporters and, and try to add that to our program as we continue to become more and more successful. As we continue to go through some of your questions, uh, G Vegas Pirate wants to know why is the ball yellow? Uh, do you have a theory on, on why the ball is yellow? Uh, years ago, it was white, white with white laces, and there's a lot of one nothing games. You're going in that time it was a 40 foot distance, so you got pitchers throwing 65 plus from 40 feet with a white ball, and there wasn't a lot of offense, so. They went yellow with the uh, contrasting laces, make it a little more visible for the hitters. And uh, I think it's been big for the game. It's been good for the game. Been a lot of years, but uh, like I said, the, the pitching continues to get better, but so is the offense, and the game continues to grow as well. And lastly, we've got a question from a poster. Kind of wants to know, you know, in softball a lot of times, a, a dominant team will have that one pitcher that you can kind of rely on because obviously with the throw in motion, you, you don't have to give as much rest. And he's kind of asking what – does it take to develop a pitcher like that can you just find a tall girl and teach her how to pitch i'm I'm guessing there's a lot of nuances to it as well yeah from that aspect it's not much different than from from baseball i mean there's there's a lot that goes into Mm -hmm. it that you uh, you can't create that overnight uh a lot a lot of those pitchers that are having that type of success they've been doing it for a lot of years a ton of pitching lessons but you you look at the college game now and it's it's going to more of kind of a baseball style with using more of the bullpen i mean florida state played in the college world series they used three four five pitchers right. a, a lot of the season e- even oklahoma who had probably best one of the best pitchers in the country i mean they they relied on three and four throughout mo- most of the season uh stanford's another one who probably the best pitcher i've seen in a lot of years as a freshman but she split innings all year long with another kid so you're seeing more and more staff u- usage and we're, we're gonna have to utilize that so i'm not, I'm not gonna turn down uh, a 75-mile-per-hour kid that uh, can eat up a lot of innings for us, but we're going to have to be successful using a lot of our, our staff as well. Do you feel you know pretty good about where the staff is, is headed? We talked about earlier that you've kind of developed some pitchers already and you know, you're know you looking to bring in some more. Do you feel kind of like the, there is a definite upward trajectory there? Absolutely. Like I said, we, we had kids that grew last year. We're going to add some young talent to it with our 23 class. Our 24 class we feel like could be one of the best – pitching staff uh, recruiting class in the country. I mean, we got some kids that are really good in the, in the 23 and 24 class. So you're going to see the next two years with kids that we bring in that have an opportunity to be here for four years that are they're going to be dominant, that that we we feel like can be 1A, 2A, mm-hmm. 3A type kids for a, a lot of years for us. So that, that's the type of kids that we need in order to compete at the top of this league. Your schedule going forward as we get ready to let you go. I know recruiting big. Uh, are you on the road recruiting or more hosting visits these days? Uh, a little bit of a mix. Yeah. We just as soon as the World Series ended last week, we're allowed to get on the road again. So uh, everything right now is we're going to focus on filling our roster for next year. Uh, but at the same time, the weekends come. We we got to get on the road and 
Uh, we got a big tournament in Kansas City this weekend. Colorado's coming up. That's one of the biggest ones every year. So we're going to be traveling all over the country. And uh, the good thing for the, the fans that want more North Carolina kids, those kids are flying out to the same tournament. So you don't get an opportunity to watch a lot of those kids at home. Uh, we're going to go to Atlanta, see North Carolina kids. We're going to go to Colorado and get to see those kids against the best in the country. So uh, it, it's a blend of portal kids on visits and then uh, looking towards the future as well. And last thing I want to ask you, just scheduling philosophy, y'all kind of had to find that balance with this league being so difficult and now going to 27 games, which is crazy. Uh, you know, finding that balance now, I guess, becomes even more important because you don't, you know, you want to schedule tough, you want to challenge your, your girls, but you don't want to overload them. So what is that, you know, balance like as you talk with your staff, hey, who do we want to schedule at certain places to maybe build some confidence, but also challenge the girls? You know, a, a lot of the preseason schedule with the tournaments, because softball is tournament weekends mm-hmm. where you're playing four or five games, most of them five games. A lot of it's luck of the draw on who signs up for right. the tournament. So we're, we're going to go on the road first weekend next year down to uh, College of Charleston. Not sure who's in that tournament yet. And then we host three here that uh, we feel have has a nice blend of some teams that uh, will challenge us, but some that we put it together, we can get on, on a nice run early in the season. And then we're always going to have competitive midweek games we're going to with uh going to more conference games we're going to play even more midweeks because uh, there's less tournaments early in the season but you're always going to have your dukes north carolina's nc state just how close they are campbell's been a really successful program so we're always going to have challenge in midweeks as well so the nice thing for us there's teams close enough that we can put together uh, a type of schedule that if we're looking for at-large bids and things like that in the NCAA tournament that we have the challenging schedule that we can put it together without having to travel too far. He's Shane Winkler, head softball coach at East Carolina, just wrapped up his second year at ECU. Shane, we appreciate the time in studio today. Thanks for coming by. We'll have to get you on you know, as we get closer to the season, but this was fun, and I uh, appreciate uh, all you're doing for ECU. Awesome. Appreciate you. Yeah, well, I look forward to coming back because we got a lot of exciting things ahead. Absolutely. That is Shane Winkler. Head softball coach at East Carolina University. All right, on the other side, we'll switch gears. We'll get back into our football opponent previews and talk about the Florida Atlantic Owls as the Pirates get ready to travel back to Boca Raton this upcoming November. We'll have that next on Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back into the studio. We are talking Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. We did some softball discussion earlier. Great visit with Shane Winkler, head softball coach. Just wrapped up his second year at ECU. We went in-depth with him on several of your questions. We'll have him on again in the fall leading into the upcoming spring season but we're talking ECU football as well because we're previewing all the opponents for the upcoming season yesterday we did SMU and Tulane today we're going to talk Florida Atlantic the Florida Atlantic Owls who are going to be joining the American Athletic Conference for the first time this fall to do that we're going to visit with Kevin Fielder who covers Florida Atlantic for 24-7 sports also writes for Underdog Dynasty Kevin welcome into the program what is the excitement level with FAU, uh, the fan base, and everything with, with coming into the American? Do you feel like the, the Owls are ready for this challenge? Yeah, I, I think the excitement's just radiated. I mean, this is a program that's been on the rise consistently over the last few years, and it feels like the American Athletic Conference is sort of that next big reward in their growth. And, and I think that's huge for them because it means more quality or better quality opponents a little bit more recognition, 
games on ESPN as opposed to like Facebook Live. Like, there's so many reasons as to why the American is a far better conference for FAU than Conference USA, and there's a large reason why it should be super exciting for you know such a young program still that's still in a real sense in its infancy. And we'll, we'll talk about the Tom Herman hire, which I think is an outstanding hire for FAU on paper, given his success, especially at Houston, and you know had success at Texas, was up and down. But when you look at this FAU program, you mentioned it. The Lane Kiffin era went went very well. Of course, he ended up making the move to Ole Miss, uh, and then they hired Willie Taggart, and Willie Taggart had three consecutive five win seasons. How would you define, explain the Willie Taggart era at Florida Atlantic? I think the way I've explained it in the past is it's a confusing era because Taggart's first year was COVID and there were so many restrictions in place and they couldn't field a full team half the time. And so that was its own problem in itself. And the next year it seemed like there was maybe some promise and they went five games. Then last year, it felt like their best chance of being really competitive in Conference USA you know, with the quarterback returning in and Kosey Perry having so many weapons and they just fell flat. I, I think that throughout the time, Florida Atlantic just fell flat under Willie Taggart. And Taggart did a lot of good stuff in terms of recruiting, in terms of building up this current program and this current roster. But, you know, on the field, the results just weren't there. Winning 15 games over three years is, is not good enough for a program like FAU with the expectations they placed on themselves after the late Kiffin era. And, it felt like there was a natural need for change, and it felt like that was the best point to get that change going. So the Owls hired Tom Herman, who has had success in the American before, one big at Houston. And how, how excited is the FAU fan base for this hire? Do you feel like is it is a good fit? Cause, you know, kind of an interesting fit from the standpoint of he's had more of a background in Texas obviously, and in Houston, but uh, he's won, and he's won at a pretty big level, so do you feel like this is a marriage that could work out? Yeah, I mean, this this feels like a marriage that can absolutely work out and work out quickly. Uh, I, I don't know if this first year is going to be a hit-the-ground-running, win-11 games kind of first year for Tom Herman, but you know, this is a guy who's won in the American. This is a guy who's won at Texas. This was the guy who arguably had Texas' most successful season in the last 10-15 years. You know, all or probably ten years, and so it feels like there is at least a reason of hope that this is the thing that can take FAU to that next level and make them competitors in the American and push them toward a potential, you know, spot in the college football playoffs when it expands. Like this feels like the perfect hire for where they currently are, and I think Tom Herman going to FAU is huge for FAU because it proves that they have pull that, you know, maybe we didn't think they had. Uh, you know, I thought Tom Herman was going to get a Power 5 job, and, you know, for him to go to, uh, you know, Florida Atlantic, that's huge for the Owls. It's huge for where they currently stand. I think it's huge for their future in the American. Looking at FAU's schedule for the upcoming season, as we visit with Kevin Fielder, FAU beat writer, you look at pretty winnable home games, at least to start with uh, Monmouth and then Ohio, which has a solid program, but then they go on the road to Clemson, go to Illinois, before getting into the conference slate, and they play UTSA, they play ECU, they play Tulane, uh, and outside of that, it's somewhat of a manageable conference slate. Although they have to go to UAB as well. When you look at this schedule, what are what do you think are fair expectations for Tom Herman year one? 
Yeah, I, I think this is going to be an incredibly challenging schedule. Ohio was a team last year that was super successful, and it's a team that FAU lost to. You know, Illinois under Brett Bielema is looking like a consistently solid program. Uh, Clemson is Clemson. Uh, and then in the American, as you mentioned, UTSA, ECU, Tulane, these are some of the better teams in the American. And while they avoid, you know, an SMU, they still have a very challenging schedule. And I think the realistic expectations, bare minimum is a bowl game. This team has to make a bowl game. They they can't win five games again. You know, there there has to be a a little bit of growth from that standpoint. Uh, as After that, like, I mean, if, if you can get eight wins with this current schedule, I think that's promising. Uh, anything more than that is probably incredibly promising, and you're talking about a insane season from the sense of expectations, but bare minimum is seven, six, seven wins and making a bowl game. How much has Tom Herman utilized the transfer portal early in his tenure at FAU? Of course, being in the state of Florida, being in Boca Raton is a pretty good recruiting pitch. Has he been able to utilize that quickly? Yeah, uh, it has been a very clear focus on the transfer portal, and not in terms of just adding guys to add guys. Uh, Tom Herman's inductory press conference, he made it clear that he wanted to add quality players to the transfer portal. He didn't want to build through the transfer portal, and I think we saw that approach early on. Uh, you know, get guys like Kobe Lewis from Purdue, who played under current offensive coordinator Charlie Fry, get a little bit more tight end depth with Elijah Bryant and Khalil Brantley from Alabama and Miami, respectively. And then the big get is quarterback Casey Thompson from Nebraska. You know, this is a Power 5 starter. It's a guy who's played a lot of time or played a lot of snaps at the Power 5 level. And it's huge for you to get a quarterback like that, even if it's just for a year, because it sort of allows them to focus on the 2025 quarterback room over the course of the 2024 season and figure out what you have in certain guys. And I think that's huge instead of having to go into 2023 with, you know, a an inconsistent quarterback room with the way that the games are going to be played in the American. It's going to be a little bit harder. They need to find a way to get a little bit more consistent. That's what Casey Thompson will give them. Yeah, I was going to ask. They brought in Thompson. They also brought in Daniel Richardson from Central Michigan. Is that considered kind of an open competition going into the camp, or is it looked at as Thompson has the inside job or inside uh, path to the job? I think they're going to have a competition, but I feel like yeah, it would be a complete shock if Casey Thompson was not the starting quarterback for FAU in Week 1. Uh, you know, this was a guy that Tom Herman has experience coaching from Texas. It's a guy who played – power five snaps he's a very talented quarterback when he's not injured when he has pieces around him and i i would be shocked if he's not the starting quarterback for week one when you look at fau's roster what at this point is a strength what is a concern for the owls as the the season approaches their base strength is going to be the running back room you have two really good running backs it, excuse me larry mccammon who rushed for a thousand yards last year uh, and then Kobe Lewis from Purdue, from Purdue, as I just mentioned. Uh, I think the offensive line is a work in progress. I, you lose two starters from last year, Nick Weber and Brandon Borden, are your left tackle and center, and you have to find a way to replace them. They have guys on the roster who can absolutely replace them, but you know you still have to find the guys to replace them. On defense, the defensive line's a strength. Evan Anderson, the huge defensive tackle inside, is one of the best in power or in group of five. The linebacker room is still a very much work in progress. Uh, they've added a couple guys to the transfer portal, and they have a guy that a lot of people like in uh, 
sophomore Jalen Wester, who had a really good end of last season as a true freshman. And then I think the secondary is sort of in the middle ground. You lose T.J. Young, who went to Ole Miss. He was their captain. He was a every-week starter for them at safety and at nickel corner. But then they replaced him with Jared Morris from Texas State, and they have guys on the roster already who are very good safeties who have proven to be solid safeties. And I think there's reason to believe the safety room and the secondary as a whole should be talented, but but you have to find a way to replace T.J. Young. It's not going to be easy replacing a leader like that in one in, in one practice cycle through, through fall camp. Kevin Fielder is with us, previewing Florida Atlantic as we continue to run through East Carolina's football opponents for the upcoming season. The Pirates and Owls will meet in November in Boca Raton. And, uh, Kevin, I, while I got you here, I got to ask about th- this this basketball run the Owls had. I mean, it just uh, we're talking football, but how can you not talk basketball? As FAU goes on one of the more historic runs in NCAA tournament history, making the Final Four, just a bucket away from heading to the national title game. How do you even sum up that experience as you follow this program? It, it was surreal because it felt like every every time they played a team, it was they were playing with house money, and this was probably the, uh, the, the game it ended. You know, they, they played Tennessee in New York, and you felt like Tennessee was a, a high major team with so much talent, and they were, they were probably going to beat FAU. They find a way to beat Tennessee. They find a way to beat Kansas State. Like I think that entire run was surreal, and it put FAU on the map in a way that they desperately need to be put on the map. You know, Lane Kiffin did a lot in terms of putting the program on the map and people talking about Florida Atlantic football, but still, they didn't have a huge moment like that. And they finally got that moment. I think that's going to help everything from the basketball program and their recruiting to the football program to women's basketball. Like, there are going to be so many parts of the athletic program that benefit from having a run like that. And it was just so surreal almost to watch them go from never making or making the tournament once and losing the first round to making it all the way to the final four. And while I think FAU fans would rather not talk about the way it ended, uh, you know, it was still an absolutely surreal run. And I was just shocked they were able to retain their players and also retain Dusty May just because usually you see programs that have, you know, maybe the disadvantages from a monetary perspective as, you know, East Carolina FAU compared to some of the other leagues. And they lose some of their best players after a run like that. But they were able to retain Dusty May. They hire Tom Herman. Like, to me, that just kind of shows FAU is investing in his program, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, to not only retain Dusty May, but extend him with a huge 10-year extension to keep Elijah Martin and John L. Davis, who had at least some NBA potential. Like, that is huge for them as they move to the American as well, because... This is a team that next year looks primed to be in a similar position to it was last year. Will they make the Final Four? Probably not. You know, making the Final Four two years in a row is incredibly challenging, but they could absolutely have another huge run like that, and that's huge for them because you don't want that to be a one-year flash the tank. You don't want to go make the Final Four one year and then the next year win 15 games and be sitting in a situation where you just don't build off the momentum that you have. So for them to retain that entire team and, you know, retain Dusty May. That, that's huge for them in terms of building a, an athletic program that people talk about in terms of, you know, it's Miami, it's FSU, it's UCF, it's all these other programs in Florida, and it's FAU. It's not, then there's FAU. And so that, that's huge for them. 
He's Kevin Fielder, covers Florida Atlantic for 24-7 Sports. Kevin, we appreciate the insight on the Owls and look forward to November 11th when East Carolina travels to Boca Raton to take on FAU. Uh, thanks for the time on today's program. Absolutely, Stephen, man. Thanks for having me on. That's Kevin Fielder. Let's get our final break in. We'll come back. We'll wrap up today's show. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the edition Tuesday, June 13th show of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 of the game. It's been a fun show. We had Shane Winkler, head softball coach in studio, had a great conversation getting to know him and everything his program is about and the continued growth of the women in the softball program and what they're looking to build. So check that out on YouTube. Check that out on Facebook. We'll also have it archived on Spotify and Apple Podcast as well. By the way, make sure you go to the 94.3 The Game YouTube page. Hit the subscribe button. We've already got our subscription numbers up pretty high considering we just started this show a month and a half ago, but we want to continue to grow that because when we come back in August for football season, you want to have the notifications for when we go live, so hit the notifications bell on the 94.3 The Game YouTube page as well as we continue to grow our social media platforms. This will be the final week of our show. We will have Athletics Director John Gilbert in studio on Wednesday. Then we'll take a a break following Friday's show where we'll continue our opponent previews. We're going to break for the rest of June and July. So some people say, hey, why why do the show starting in May and then break? Well, the format of the show is going to be this. We're going to start in August, go through May, 10 months of the year. And then, of course, we'll go through the ECU baseball season most years through mid-June or so, depending on how deep the Pirates play in the postseason, and then we'll break for summer because uh, the the ECU sports calendar slows down. This is an ECU sports-themed show. So basically, we started in May. We've done this for a month and a half. We've gotten all the kinks out. We're going to learn what we did well, what we need to improve upon. We'll do that. We'll transition that over the summer, continue to get better, and then we'll be back in August getting you ready for football season. Of course, we'll still have the coverage on hoistthecolors.net. The Patrick Johnson Show will go on through next week as well before summer break, and then uh, we'll be back for August or late July. Patrick will be back around conference media days. I'll be back with Hoist the Colors starting in August to get you ramped up for the September 2nd kickoff at Michigan. But it's been a lot of fun getting to uh, to do this and getting my feet wet with the daily radio show. want to first touch on recruiting. East Carolina picked up a big commitment yesterday, offensive lineman Peyton Reeder. He's the second high school commitment of the 2024 recruiting class. Metro Lena Christian Academy in Indian Trail, North Carolina, picked ECU over offers such as Maryland, Marshall, Charlotte, Army, Georgia Southern, and uh, Coastal Carolina as well. So big O-line pickup. Stay tuned if you follow recruiting. Expecting an announcement here in the next hour or so with another pirate commitment. Uh, expected coming out of a big weekend. So we'll continue to have recruiting coverage going for you. Uh, on hoistthecolors.net as well as on the show the rest of this week. All right, thanks again to Shane Winkler and also Kevin Fielder for our FAU preview on Friday. We've got Pete Medhurst lined up from the Navy play-by-play booth. Also, we'll look at Rice on Friday too. But tomorrow we've got AD John Gilbert in studio for the full hour, so make sure you tune into that show. 12 noon on Wednesday. We'll be back with you then. You've been listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game.